Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beautiful Adaptive Warrior. I'm your host Angie and this week I am so honored and excited to finally get a talk with none other, Noah Elliott, Paralympic snowboarder, gold medalist, bronze medalist, you name it. And uh, Noah, it is awesome to finally meet you and talk. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, I know we've been trying to connect for a while, so it's great to finally get to connect more and be on here and chat with you. Yeah, well, you know, all about the podcast, just so you have an idea, you know, I'm always trying to figure out ways. I feel completely blessed. Like, my story started three years ago when I chose, elected to amputate above the knee. Um, Not an easy decision. And by no means takes away differences on how people have lost their limbs, right? Each person has their own little journey that they go through. But I do remember that you were one of the first people that actually reached out to me. Um, the community we belong to being amputees is incredible. They're supportive. No one's trying to better the other. It feels like everybody's very inclusive and wanting to help not have other people reinvent the wheel. <laughs> so to speak. Right. And I don't know if you remember this, but it it was a huge impact on my life because a year after I lost my leg, I decided to try surfing. Mm -hmm. Okay. I live in Arizona. I'm in the desert, but I wanted (laughs) to surf. I had, I'd always been afraid of the ocean, met Mike Coots who realized, you know what? Sharks aren't bad people. They're good. You know, they just were in their, their area. And um, luckily got to meet him when I was on Kauai and had surfed the first time, but I got home longing to surf. And I reached out to probably the adaptive surf Facebook group. You're on that. Mm -hmm. And I just remember going, what do I do? I'm in the desert and I don't know when I'll get back to the ocean. And you're the one that spoke up and said, get a skateboard. I'm like, well, excuse me, I've never skateboarded. (laughs) So now trying to do it as a one legger. I wasn't sure that was going to be ideal. And then you said, we'll get the biggest one you can find. So Mm -hmm. I end up getting uh, one of those big big kahuna boards with a street paddle. Oh, sick. And that's perfect. It was awesome. However, I have to tell you, uh, my poor husband, he's like, okay, you've never skateboarded before. Now you're going to get on the street with one leg. Um, I was, (laughs) I was determined to learn it. I'm so stubborn that way. And uh, we've been together since high school. So he understands who I am. Um, yeah. he, he turns around and goes, I'm not watching this. And my son's out there. I'll teach you, mom. So I get on this big old board, right? Thinking this will be so easy. I watched videos. I started uh-huh. to try to move and streets are not really smooth. So no, I decided not. to thrust my legs forward to get moving. And the board went out from underneath me, pinned my arms. Yeah. And I actually broke my AC joint. What? No way. <laughs> No, it took me four weeks to tell my husband. I finally had to go get uh, x-rays because I wasn't. So now I kneel on it because oh, yeah. I just I can't afford to have that anymore. So anyway, no. I wanted you to know how impactful that was that you were the one of the first people that I actually clung to and started watching your journey and what was going on with you. And so to have you on here, I feel like comes full circle. And I'm I'm really, really honored that you have taken time out of your busy schedule coming back from the Olympics and having your own daily life and things to go through. Can you just start us off? No one wants to hear me talk anymore. 
where, where did your story begin? What was your childhood like? And uh, tell everybody a little bit about your amputation, if you would. For sure. Um, yeah, so I'll just start it off kind of, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. So um, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and that's where I was born and raised. And so when I was a kid, I was there and my family didn't really have a lot of money. So um, a lot of the sports that I wanted to do, we really couldn't afford um, or we could only afford like halfway through the season. So I could try it out for a little bit, but then I wasn't able to like finish the season. And so, um, I, you know, I tried football, I tried basketball, I tried a couple things. And uh, out of all of those, I ended up finding out about skateboarding because my neighbor was a skateboarder and I saw him skateboarding. We lived on this hill. Um, it was called Vine Street and it went through um, and it was like a big hill down to a creek bed to another hill. So it like V'd with a creek in the middle. Um, and so you could live on like this side or that side of it. And so he actually was my neighbor. And so he would like skate all the way down to the bottom and then like go back to the top and skate down. And um, so that's where I first like discovered skateboarding. And I remember asking him, I was like, what is that thing? And um, I was like eight or nine years old. And um, he's like, yeah, it's a skateboard. And from that point on, I was like stuck on it. So I like kept talking to my mom, like I want a skateboard and uh, went to Target and I got my first skateboard ever. And that's what kind of jumpstarted my journey. You know, um, skateboarding was affordable. All you needed was a skateboard and a pair of shoes and you were able to roll. Um, and that's what I did. And so by the age of like 10 or 11, I knew that I love skateboarding so much. And I had already been watching skate films. Um, I was introduced to the skateboard scene more. And so I knew I was like, it's an opportunity for me to become a professional skateboarder for me to do this for a living. And so that's what I was headed towards. <clears throat> um, and when I was 15 years old, my life kind of, uh, I had a big impact that was like, okay, wow. Now I have to really rethink and readjust on how I want to do this if I still want to do this. So uh, when I was 15 years old, um, I'd been with a girl for a while and she was my girlfriend and um, we'd been together for about three years and we found out that we were going to be having a baby together. And so at that point, it was like this huge shocker, right? Because up until that point, the only thing I knew about and was focused on was skateboarding. Um, and then all of a sudden now I had to think about becoming a teen parent and what that was going to do for the rest of my career. And, and I knew that, you know, I wanted to be there um, for her and I wanted to be able to give her the best life I possibly could. And I knew, you know, Hey, I can be a pro skateboarder until I'm 18. And at that point, if it's not working for me, um, I can go and join the military. I can help support my country and support my family. And so that was my, my overall bigger picture plan. And then about my daughter was born in 2013 in February and uh, five months later, I got diagnosed with cancer. Holy cow. Yeah. So that again was like, you know, life took a major shift. So right when I thought my life couldn't change anymore, it did. Right. And um, at that point, I had to really discover how I was going to go through uh, chemotherapy. I lived in St. Louis Children's Hospital for a little over a year um, doing chemotherapy treatments. And I received my first surgery which at that time was a limb salvage surgery. So um, before I was ever introduced to the amputee um, idea and amputation idea, I was actually um, given a total knee replacement and a tibia bone replacement. And so they tried to save my leg. Yeah. So that's a young age went, for all that. I know. I know. And it was so crazy because, you know, I just had a fresh newborn baby that, um, you know, I was trying to take care of and hang out with. And um, a lot of things kind of happened at that point. So, you know, I was very fortunate that, you know, they did like a review. Um, I already got my limb solid surgery at that point, though, when I woke up from surgery, I, I was told that I was never going to be able to do skateboarding, riding bikes, um, or really any sports ever again, because 
of the the situation of my leg. And at that point I realized that I wasn't really no anymore. And it was really hard for me to, to grasp that concept of, you know, growing up being such an athlete to now not being able to do any sports, you really lose that part of yourself who, you know, you identify as you're like, this is, this is what makes Noah Noah. And I'm no longer Noah because I can't do those things. Um, and we did the test. I found out that I was cancer-free. The chemotherapy was working. Um, I started to finish the chemotherapy regimen and, um, you know, I was on my way. I was starting to recover, um, and getting back to my life uh, with this leg. And at that point I got, um, exposed. It was 2014. I saw the social Paralympics on TV when I was in the hospital. And then I got invited to go to Colorado to Steamboat Springs to see, um, to be a part of a, a camp for kids with cancer through the sunshine kids. So, um, that was that opportunity where I like fell in love with the mountains. I first saw the mountains and uh, I was like, I, I saw a Paralympic snowboarder in person and I related to what I saw on TV with what was in front of me. I was like, wow, okay, this is something that I can actually go out and do because this is something I saw on the TV and this is something that's right in front of me. And snowboarding is going to be way easier than skateboarding because you're strapped in. So I was like, I can totally knock this out of the park. Um, and so that's what I did. I, I, you know, after that, I went back home. I told my mom, I was like, Hey mom, I'm gonna save up money. Um, I was 17 at the time. Um, and I was like, Hey, I'm going to save up money. Um, you know, I want to snowboard and everything. And at that time, like I said, I still had my leg. Um, and I went into the doctor because I was still dealing with so much pain and, you know, you get a surgery and obviously you're going to be in a ton amount of pain, but that's not supposed to last forever. Right? right. Like you're supposed to like heal and be able to like live life a little bit easier without <laughs> constant pain. And so I was having that constant pain and we went in and they did a test on my leg and drew fluid from it and found out that my body was rejecting the metal that they put in. Uh Yeah. So that was like another like, Oh, okay, well, cool. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to amputate my leg because then I can go snowboard. And um, (laughs) that's like, I actually was, (laughs) yeah. Like, like I elected it because I saw the opportunities with prosthetics and I looked at it from the point of, um, you know, my leg is dead. It's not going to get better. It's just going to get worse, but prosthetics are continuing to evolve and change. And like, I was like, I'm so young. And by the time I'm older, like, like there's already such great equipment out there for prosthetics. Like imagine what it's going to be in 10 years from now. Right. And so I was like, for sure, I want a rocket leg that I can go like boosting through (laughs) the air on. (laughs) So I do think that maybe your leg is more special. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's like so many cool things out there. So I'm like, okay. So um, yeah, I decided to amputate when I was 17. And then um, that started my journey for me to save up money and move to the mountains. And you had never snowboarded up to that point of going and seeing that? Exactly. So even when I was in Colorado on that trip for kids with cancer and I met Brenna Huckabee, um, she was, she had the same can of cancer as I did. And she was at that camp as well. And she was already cancer free and snowboarding. Um, because of my leg, I couldn't snowboard or anything. So I was on a ski bike, which was super fun. Yeah. Those, um, are, cool. those are really cool. Right. So that's what I did, but I wasn't able to snowboard, but, um, I had never snowboarded up until that point. And so I just knew it. I, I looked at it and I was like, it's a board, like I, I skateboard. I know skateboarding and surfing are like the hardest uh, board sports out there. So I'm like, you know, like I can totally do this. This is easy. My feet are strapped in to the board. Like this is easy. I'm a skier. So the whole yeah. snowboarding thing is like me in the skateboard. Although I don't understand. I think I like surfing better because hitting water is so much better than hitting cement. 
yeah but water's scary right like when you get held under like that's so scary like true and i have been hit in the head with my surfboard because just being a novice and not thinking about it right so did yeah. that did the skateboarding to the snowboarding translate relatively quickly for you or was there some challenges especially like for me skiing i've been told i went to um I went to the, um, I think it was where you were at the adaptive, um, oh, city. Yeah. The yeah. National Ability Center. That's yeah. That's where I think I first learned uh -huh. and I had just gotten my leg a week before. So I knew I wasn't going to even try cause I couldn't even walk in it yet, let alone try to yeah. ski. Um, so I just went to three tracking right away. It's uh -huh. intense. But I, I don't know if I would grasp, and I, I could consider myself an athlete. I don't know if I could grasp snowboarding and being strapped down. That kind of freaks me out yeah. a little bit. So was yeah. there a translation or did you find that there was some challenges? Because you went from learning to competing like that. Yes. Yeah. So I actually, um, I, I remember thinking back on it and like, like when I think back on it now, I remember looking at it and being like, okay. The thing that scared me about being strapped in was the fact that if you fall your board, you can't bail on your board. Like in skateboarding, like if you, if you're like skateboarding and you're like up in the air and you're like, I don't want this to work anymore. You just kick it out and then you can like yeah. land and roll it or jump out of it. And so it's a way to like, you know, you can do something and kind of get away without like having the board go with you. But when you watch snowboarding falls, it's like slam, roll, yep. roll. <laughs> and so I was like concerned about that, but I also looked at it from the point of, you know, in skateboarding, you have to move your feet in a very specific way to make the board do what you ask of it. And mm -hmm. and snowboarding, you can kind of get away with that. So when I first started, um, the hardest thing for me was actually figuring out the way my prosthetic was going to be set up yeah. because I never snowboarded. So I didn't know what it was supposed to feel like, but also I didn't know how my prosthetic was supposed to feel because that was all new for me as well. So it was really trying to dial in the way and the settings that I wanted my leg to be at. So that when I started, I could snowboard and make it feel as normal as possible. Well, you know, and I think that translates exactly how I felt. And it's hard to explain to anybody about how surfing worked. I had never surfed before. So I think yeah. it's easier to grasp when you don't have preconceived feelings and notions that you have to like skiing is a little bit harder because I know I don't have that second leg to balance out. So my right yeah. quad really takes it and I'm overcompensating with my upper body strength because of fear of wiping out and having my, right. uh, my good knee tweak, but with surfing, I don't know what feels good and what doesn't feel good. It just feels the way it is with yeah. no preconceived notion. Yeah. It might be a plus I'd, actually. I'd say so. Cause yeah, now that you bring that up totally, like, like it's like skateboarding, right? Like I'm, I go to skateboard and I can still skate. Sure. But it's not nearly like at the level that I used to be at. And so it's almost like a mental block, right? Where you're like, yeah. you put up a wall, like, oh, I know I can do this this way, but now I can't. And it's almost yeah. like frustrating. So you're yeah. like, oh, but when you don't know, you don't know. You're just like, hey, this is it. Yeah. This is awesome. Someone's yeah. like, so how do you do that? I'm like, well, I don't know. Cause I wouldn't know how I would have done it before. And people have said, so is yeah. your right leg or your front, is your right leg, your front leg or is, and I'm like, in surfing, I'm like, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. This is just yeah. what it is, you know? So yeah. I think, I think there's some positives to that. I really do. Sure. I'm going to, I'm going to scooch back just a little bit in your story. Um, a lot of people that I've talked to that have become amputees, they really struggle because 
you know, of course there's different mindsets and I always talk about mindset and attitude and, and really the common thread, which I see with all these athletes this year, but also average Joes like me that aren't in the spotlight like that. Um, mindset, I think has 90% of the success rate, right? Your attitude, your mindset, your willingness, or as, as Ronnie said a couple weeks ago, the, the toughness that the character building, that amputation yeah. takes on you and it's a, whether or not it's going to make you or break you. Yeah. But I also know that there are one of the biggest things that's helped me succeed is my support system here. Mm-hmm. Right. I have my husband from back in 1989, well before you were born. Um, and my kids, my high school and college age boys that have laughed with me and hugged me when I cried. And what was your support? I mean, you went, I mean, it's hard enough being an amputee, being an amputee because cancer is now in your head, being a teenager, trying to figure out who you are and what you're going to be in this world and thinking that the world is, is at your fingertips, but also then being a father who, who was your biggest support through all this? How did you manage to do this? My mom, for real. Like my mom is the MVP. She is like the hidden warrior, like behind everything. Seriously, it's like, I mean, she's always been there for me. And even like when I was younger and I was doing stupid stuff, like she would always support me and be like, hey, probably shouldn't have done that because like now you're hurt or, (laughs) you know, but she would always like support me and lift me back up. And, you know, I remember her, um, when I came back from that trip and I got my amputation and I told her like, yeah, Hey, I'm moving to Utah. She's like, no, you're not really. And I'm like, yeah. And then we went to Tennessee to work with the amputee blade runners and I got to go and I was applied for a grant and I got my first running blade from them. And while I was there, I actually got a phone call interview for a snowboard shop that I was going to be working at in Utah. And I was in the, I was in the car with my mom and I was like, Hey, I got to take this interview. And she's like, what? <laughs> wow. I was like, yeah, it's a you. And then I got the phone and they're like, yeah, you got the job. And I was like, awesome. And then I told her and she's like, wait, so you're really going. And then from there, she was just like, okay, let's figure out how to make this work. Like, and so, um, you know, I set everything up on my own, but she definitely gave me ideas and supported me. And throughout the whole journey, like when there was times where I wasn't able to have Skylar with me, um, she was there to help out. Um, and yeah, just really be my overall like constant supporter. Right. And that's, that's key, right. When you have that consistency. Um, but I agree hundred percent with what you were saying. Like it really is like the body can handle it. It's truly about the mental state of it. And you have to be willing to try it because um, life's amazing. And there's so much, it's too short and there's so much out there to do and to try. Like, don't, don't, because you have a disability, wake up and be like, I can't do that. Like, give it a shot. Like what is Worst thing is going to happen is you're going to find out, hey, I have to do this, but it's going to take me a little bit longer or differently to do it and you make it happen. Yeah. You know, I tell you, ever since this, it's almost a whole new lease on life. My last three years have been extraordinary and the doors that have opened, the people that I have met because I'm willing to put myself out there. I've been really, I try to be transparent. There are days when life sucks. (laughs) It just sucks. And it's okay that it sucks because everything yeah. about life, whether you're an amputee or not, has mountains and valleys, right? And we mm-hmm. ride that wave as hard as we can if we want to live a really great life. And really great lives, like right now, knock on wood, my socket fits great. Yeah. Tomorrow, yeah. maybe not, you know? I right. mean, 
like I'm in the midst of getting, getting ready to get my new C leg, my new socket. And, you know, about a month ago, I was starting to panic because I don't, you're an above knee, correct? I am. Yeah. Yeah. We're twinning over here. We, right. And are you left, <laughs> left leg? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I, um, I just got a revision too. I'm not sure if you got to see okay. all that, but yes. And I want to talk about that. I okay. am, I am talk about overcoming you. Y'all that are listening to this, this guy's story is incredible. I mean, he's already been through all this by 17. Mm-hmm. You jump into snowboarding, like no big deal. Typical mm-hmm. 17 year old boy. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, stereotypes yeah. are not. It's so like, yep, let's just do it. Let's just yeah. do it. Right. And I get the whole idea um, of identifying as an athlete. I mean, I talked to, um, before Ronnie, I talked to Andrew Hauser, who is an amputee as well. And he has worked with elite MLB teams and uh-huh. um, as an athletic trainer, um, a strength coach and everything. And he said the exact same thing. It's like, this is who I've always been. And he had yeah. an accident at about 17 or 18 and he lost his mm. leg in a car accident. And, and he was like, and that's how I felt. And it seems so strange, but all my life I was an athlete. Then I became a mom and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the reason I got hurt was because I wanted to be, be that athlete again. And I hurt myself in karate, (laughs) go Mm -hmm. figure. But Uh, the idea that you've been through all this at that age, I know a lot of people say, well, of course, you know, he was young. He had age on his side. Yeah, true. Right. mm -hmm. But it it really Mm -hmm. is the mental state. It is the the decision, the ultimate decision to move forward. And not live yeah. in the past because we could all sit there and go, well, woe is me. I mean, you, you've, you've been through a lot at, at such yeah. a young age. It doesn't matter when it happens to you. You've still been through a lot more than most people in their life. Um, when it comes down to it and, 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 and you spent what, a year and then you made the Olympic team? Yeah, I had a, a year and a half of training. So I started snowboarding half before yeah, and that's um, that's all it took for me to be able to to get up and um, figure it out and start competing. So kind of what happened, but um, like real quick, just like saying what you were saying, like the outlook of it truly is what defines how you're going to be that next version of you and that like you know that Angie 2.0, and yep. that's that's what that is. And for me, like I was in St. Louis Children's Hospital, and at the time, like the rooms we had the room with other uh, kids um, a lot of the time, and so there was no way I could really feel down because yeah, I I was a 16 year old going through chemotherapy, 16 and 17, but yet like I saw like 10 year old kids and that were going through cancer and that would, I'd become friends with, and then they would pass away. And so it was, you know, very sad and uh, tragic. And that I think was really eye opening for me at such an early time during my injury and like my diagnosis to where I was like, I'm so lucky to be here. I'm so fortunate. So I should like, pursue life and look at it that way and so that's where my mental state came from is like I'm lucky I'm even here like I should definitely be going out and getting it because um not everyone's given that opportunity and so when I moved to Utah and I started snowboarding I moved to Park City Utah I'd been talking to Brenna and I was asking her I was like hey what do you do um like I've been following her on Facebook since that day that I met her in Steamboat Springs and it's like where do you train um, I want to come train and I want to make the team and I want to start competing and I want to make Korea. 
So I showed up, she told me to go to Park City, Utah to the NAC. Um, so I did, I used the scholarship that they provided and the money that I'd saved up from working um, over the next couple of years. So at that point I was 19. So I was 19 years old. Um, I moved out there and then I was working at a snowboard shop so that I could learn the equipment that I was going to be using um, on hill. Cause I knew nothing about skiing. I knew nothing about snowboarding. Like, yeah, up until that point, I'd only seen a mountain on a trip for like four days in Colorado. So I'm an Illinois awesome. girl. So I understand yeah. that. <laughs> Get it right. Like, like, yeah, you just, you're in the Midwest. So you're like, yeah, yeah I don't know anything about that, but yep. Um, so that's what I wanted to do. And that's what happened. And then uh, I started snowboarding that season, the end of that season. And then the next season was the games year. And I met the U S coach um, at nationals at the end of that year. Um, I placed fourth um, in my first event ever. And that was nationals. And my first time on a course or anything. Um, and then I talked to the U.S. coach then. He asked me what my, my goals were. And I told him I wanted to compete in Korea. And he asked me if I had a passport. And I was like, no, I've never even. Like, the only place I've besides here in Colorado is Florida. And the only reason I was in Colorado is because it was paid for for me. And uh, I just got here. So um, he's like, we'll get a passport. And then I had to raise money. I worked at the NAC and um, did some speaking engagements so that I could go to New Zealand for my first world cup and start qualifying. Wow. And did your mom stay in Missouri? Did she come out with you? No, she stayed there. She's actually never even been to Utah still. Um, Really? Yeah. So we, I know we've been trying to get her to go. I'm like, mom, we got to go. Right. Like mom, we got to go. But, um, yeah. So no, it was just me, just me. Oh, and I convinced my best friend I grew up with, um, to move with me. And so he moved with me so we could afford it. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's expensive. We're in park city. It's like one of the most expensive places to live. I feel like. And, um, yeah. And so we, um, I actually, the job that I originally got hired for, we got there. And before I went and actually had my first day and like met everybody, um, I went into a different snowboard shop and they were like on the mountain. The other snowboard shop was crispy sports and it was like right mm-hmm. outside of the mountain. Yep. And so, um, this one was called bazookas up at park city mountain. And I went in there and they were also hiring. So I actually talked to them and I was like, Hey, you guys are hiring. So I actually ended up getting a job with them too. So I had two jobs set up and I just gave the other one, like I went in and was like, Hey guys, like there's a place that works better for me over here. Um, I'm going to work there, but I have somebody that can fill my role and is willing. And they were like, okay. So then my buddy had a job. I had a job and we were both doing the same thing, just different spots. And, um, yeah, we shared an apartment and made it work. That's so cool. What a story. All right. So now moving forward, you actually made the Olympics. You made went, the games. You've been yeah. to two, the 2018 and then this most recent one, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I'm, I'm really, I'm very interested to hear what happened this last one. Cause I didn't realize yeah. that till after the fact, but tell us how the 18 yeah. went because you, you meddled there. For sure. So year and a half later, after I started, um, you know, I had gotten my prosthetic where it needed to be. I had traveled to the World Cups and competed, and I qualified for the Paralympic team um, for Korea. And so I went to Korea, and all those skills of skateboarding like transferred over at that point. Like at that point, it was just okay, cool. Now I need to figure out how to be a better racer. Like I got snowboarding. How can I be a better racer? And um, I won a bronze and a gold medal um, in Korea. Um, I won the bronze in snowboard cross and the uh, gold in the bank slalom. And that really like boosted my career because that was the eye opener, right? When it was like, this is what I dreamed of doing. And now I've done it. Like, 
this is what like this is awesome <laughs> like this is crazy. Like, well, like yeah there's no there's uh, no limit now right yeah and I was like okay I, I want to be I want to really figure out how good I can be and so over the next couple of years um I was testing that and I um you know, I've won a couple different world titles, um, had a lot of medals in between and leading into this season, I've ha- I had an issue going on that I wasn't really vocal about because I didn't want my competitors to know. And I didn't want my team to know. I didn't want them to look at me any differently. And I wanted to make sure that I was still going to be like mentally, it was, it was almost a mental thing for me, right. Where I was like, I'm not, nothing's wrong with me at all. Like I got this, even though my bone was about to be sticking out of my leg, like oh. compound fracture style. So <laughs> it was crazy. But so throughout the whole winter, this season, like I, I had to go and compete and qualify for China as well. And so, um, yeah, it, it started back in August and since August, I couldn't really wear my leg. I've been on crutches like pretty much the whole time. I could only wear my leg if I was at a world cup snowboarding. Um, and, and that was it. And so I had a wound that started from a bad fitting socket back in August and because of the shape of my leg, right. Um, my, 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 my leg shape was like an ice cream cone. So it was not normal amputated, amputated leg. Look, right. Like when you look at, when you look at a residual, like and above the knee it's round it's nice and round right it wasn't like that I had like the muscle retracted back and I had my bone at the end and so when I wound that was going on there was no meat in between the skin really and the bone and then you know I had to compete on that and so you know I crushed it all season like I had won the last four competitions and I got a world title leading into the games and then I had to leave Norway early because um the night after I won my bank solemn world title, I took my leg off and I had like this much blood pooling in my sock. I saw the picture and I was like, what? That is- it was so early. Yeah. My teammate was like, Oh my God, dude, like your legs that bad. Like, and you know, one of my teammates, two of my teammates really knew about the thing that I was dealing with. And my coaches at that point knew because they had to know, right. I mean, it was, why aren't you on snow every day? Like you usually are. And you know, why are you not wearing your leg like at all, unless you're snowboarding. And so like at that point they had knew what was going on. I I had already qualified for China and it was really a question. Am I going to be able to go? Because I came home from Norway early. Everybody else stayed in uh, Norway and they were competing for SBX. And um, I came back to see doctors and to just try to get my leg healed before China. And, um, the scab formed over that spot. Like I had this little blister wound that almost healed. And then it got rubbed raw when we were in Norway again. And then it turned into like one big, like giant wound. And so it was almost like a pressure wound too, at that point. So I was like, okay, this is weird, but I had the scab on it. So I went into my prosthetic appointment, got it refitted, came out of there. And then all of a sudden I like took the bandage off because I had to bandage it before I put my liner on. And I actually, I took the bandage off and my femur bone was sticking about an inch and a half, two inches out of my leg. Oh my and it, I could see it. And I was like, Oh my God, that's my femur. That's like, that's my bone. And I was like, okay, China's done. I'm not going to China anymore. Like this was before and, uh, you competed. This is, yeah, this is like two to three weeks before I went to China. Oh no. I- so I was like, oh, but I wanted it so bad and I needed it. And like, 
you know, I wanted to try to do it still. I'm like, I still am like, even with my leg messed up, like I just won a world title. Like I'm still riding really, really well. Like I know I could win, like for sure I can win. So I was like, I should try to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I went, I talked to many different doctors and at the end of the day, they, they decided, they said, we think it's a reasonable risk. You have to get surgery no matter what. Um, I had already talked to the surgeons. They said, we feel comfortable with you doing this. Like if it gets any worse, like we can fix it during surgery. And so, um, I showed up in China with my femur sticking out and I had to manage that every day that I was there. Um, and I got the least amount of training on course. I only got like one day of training, um, on course and had to compete in only like two runs. Um, and then, yeah. So then in border cross, um, the course was really not favoring to, my style of riding. Um, so there was a couple of my teammates that also were in the same boat as me. Like we usually do really, really well, but the course was just not suited for us. So it was really wide open, uh, flat, not a lot of features. And so it made it to where like the heavier riders would really just accelerate and go. Um, and so that made it challenging for a lot of us, but, um, so I finished sixth in snowboard cross and then, um, you know, obviously my leg was bothering me a ton at this point, extremely painful. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do bank solemn or not. And so we had just waited and the day came, I got one practice day in, uh, two runs on bank solemn and then competed. And I got fourth. I was so close to being on the podium. I was like, oh, I was right there, but I wasn't riding nearly at the level that I usually do either just because of the circumstances. But, um, all in all, I was so proud to even be able to go. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was amazing, amazing experience. And it was good. <laughs> the fact that you competed, and you actually placed that high. I mean, yeah. I, I'm astounded. Like I, you know, I was watching for you guys, you and Mike and everybody and who was landing and what, what medal. And I was yeah. like, Oh, he didn't. And then it was like, literally maybe that next week that you posted about your yeah. leg. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But I cannot believe he did that. Like that's yeah. incredible. So talk about mindset and talking about what you feed your brain, like the messages that we feed our ourselves you know, I, I talk a lot about positive self-talk, you know, oh, yeah. some people struggle just wearing their prosthetic all day because it just is uncomfortable. And, mm-hmm. and people will say, is that normal? One, you can probably agree with, there is no such thing as normal when you don't have your oh. leg, you were given at birth. <laughs> yeah. It's not totally. normal. So you're going to mm-hmm. have to deal with the fact that, and we, you know, I've talked about like, sometimes people have these expectations that, well, I'll get a prosthetic and my life will be fixed. No, it's right. just a whole nother set of issues ongoing. Yeah, it is it's ongoing. Yeah. Right. And so the fact that you did that, I, I am, that is incredible. It gave me the heebies because I totally could visualize it on my own leg. I have, I have excess skin because I had actually about five years of surgeries prior to okay. my amputation decision. And when you have that many surgeries and you have no range of motion, you can't do anything. So I end up gaining weight. I went from being like in really great shape at like 41 to gaining all this uh-huh. weight. So right after I lost my leg, I just, I was out and moving and, and took off about 55 pounds. Well, then I had all this excess skin and, uh-huh. but there's one section on the back that I, if I'm really hiking a lot, I'm hitting bone on the back of my socket and I'm a skin fit. So I have yeah. nothing between me and my socket. It's like just me. And it, yeah. it hurts. So when you said that yours was sticking through and I could feel my bone, I was like, I visualizing that makes me want to throw up. 
So what yeah. kind of surgery did you end up having after the Olympics? Yeah. So you know, obviously when your bones sticking out, you need surgery. Um, so like I, I came back, um, I left early. I didn't go to the closing ceremonies because, oh. you know, get on it immediately. Um, and it was okay. Like I, I totally like, it's an amazing experience. I love it. I'm thankful I've, I've got to experience it before, but with my bones sticking out, it just wasn't worth the risk of me staying an extra couple of days, um, right. to do that. So, um, yeah, I got back and then what they did was essentially they told me what happened. So I had a couple different doctors that have been working with me, um, to help me like figure out why my leg looked that way, because yeah. that wasn't normal. Right. And no, I'm to find out it was a combination of three things that caused my leg to get to that point. Uh, number one was when they did the original amputation where they actually did the incision line at on my leg and the fact that I was still growing. So oh. where incision line, the fact that I was still growing and um, how active I was, those three things is what caused my leg to do what it did. And so what ended up happening is, you know, when they do the amputation, right, they amputate and they pull your muscles around and they wrap them around the end so yep, that you have padding. Yep. So my, my femur bone grew through where they attached the muscle. So my bone grew through the muscle. And then that was, that's what made my muscle like retract back and have my bone out front. Okay. And so that's what caused that. Um, and I was so active, right. It was just like making the muscle get further and further back. So what they did is they, um, they went in, um, they originally told me like, Hey, we need to do a, 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 a revision you may end up losing two to four inches of your leg, which at this point, right. When you're already in AK, you know, it like yeah. you've already lost so much. You've lost this joint. Like yeah, the joint is very important there. Very important. It's like, if, you know, if we had our knees, it'd, life would be so much easier, right? Like I could just run right? upstairs. No problem. Like <laughs> I could run better. I can't even still run. It scares me to death, but yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah. And so I was like, like anything above that, you're losing so much more leverage. It's, it's going to make everything harder. Right. And so I was really concerned about losing four inches of my femur. Um, cause I was already like pretty low, like right above the knee. And, um, you know, I was really thankful. I got in touch with the right doctors, thanks to the team. And, uh, they only took an inch and a half of my leg. So I'm actually like at the ideal length now because I can fit more knees and feet than I would have been originally, yes. which is awesome. So like now I'm at the ideal length. My leg looks so much better. I just got the stitches taken out last Friday. Um, so yeah, so my leg looks amazing now. I'm like, that looks like a real leg it's supposed to look. So I'm excited. Like I'm, I'm new again and like, I'm, I'm ready to, to get after it. So how long will the recovery be before you can slip your socket on? It looks like, um, they gave me the clear to start working out again, like next week. Cause like I've lost a lot of muscle, like usually yeah. I'm a very fat. And usually I got to just continue to work out and eat a bunch to like, keep it on and surgery and everything and not being able to lift. Like I've definitely lost a lot of muscle. So, uh, start working out like next week and then get my shrinker next week as well. And then, uh, middle May is when I'll start walking. So middle to end of May is when I'll be like consistently walking and then, yeah, just getting back after it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it is, it's quite a journey, isn't it? Um, Having the, yeah. the idea of having a revision or a year ago, I had that TMR surgery because I had a huge um, symptomatic neuroma on my uh -huh. hamstring and they took out about four inches um, uh -huh. back there. It's been amazing, but then you're out of your socket and you're like, great. Then you have to worry about the fit again. And you, 
And people just don't understand that, that certain things, when you get a new socket, things rub funny and you have to, it's like, I always say, it's like putting on a brand new pair of shoes and then going out and trying to run a marathon the first day, breaking them in. And you're like, and there's a blister and there's a rash and there's sore soreness. That's a good to put who, you know, aren't amputees or might not fully understand like that. I like that. I'm going to use that. I like it is. It's, it's so true. Like, you know, cause that's, I mean, and, and my husband, who's been my support has been so great because whenever I do have to get a new one, I mean, when you lose weight, like I was losing weight, like for two years there, I felt like yeah. I was getting new sockets. I felt like it was like every other month, you know, um, yeah. and you're sitting there and you finally get to a point at first it's great. And you're like, yay. And now at this point, three years in, I'm like, oh, it's time to get a new socket. Oh, I know. It's like, yeah, you're like, oh, I got to go back. <laughs> you're like, here we go again. And my husband's like, just remember the first week sucks. I'm like, I know when I'm not really up for sucking for a week, you know, because it does, it puts everything on hold that you, your normal life, right. As yeah. much as you'd like yeah, it. To be yeah. And like, sometimes you'll get it right. And the first week will be like, something like I've had it where like, I've had a sock and I'm like, whoa, like this is actually going really, really smooth. And then like two weeks in, bam. And you're like, what? Like, I thought this was supposed to already happen. Like just keeping it it real, just keeping it real, (laughs) Uh, right. Just kind of those sucker punches. So I have um, a couple more quick questions. Now that you are getting on the men's, what is, where are your sites set? Where are you at? So I definitely, um, you know, I've done a lot of work with different nonprofits, um, with uh working like I, throughout the whole season like I, i've been working uh, for the last couple of years at a, at a nonprofit here in colorado to help people with disabilities get out and um, recreate again so it's just like the the nac in park city mm-hmm. um so i was teaching people to snowboard um i was doing summer activities rock climbing stuff like that so i definitely want to still be able to go out there and help people i want to do more with uh wiggle your toes in minnesota and get out there mm-hmm. and do more wake surf with guys and help people with that um and yeah really like help get more people into it. Cause I have a lot of people that I've been talking to through social media um, that I've met or on Facebook groups that are trying to get into the sport. And um, I want to help facilitate that for them and help them get involved. And then uh, also obviously compete. Like I'm not even at my, my prime uh, competing level yet. And now that my leg's going to be fixed, I'm definitely going to be a lot better off. I'll be stronger. So um, I really look forward to Italy because I think Italy, Cortina in 2026, I'll be a freaking beast. So um, my plan is to continue to work towards everything that I need to continue competing and uh, yeah, travel the world a little bit more and bring Skylar with me to some places and uh, have fun. That's awesome. That is totally awesome. I love to hear that. Wiggle your toes. Big shout out to them because they are the ones that came through one year after my amputation with a running blade um, because I was, um, it's ironic how you kind of get in with different groups of people. Um, by doing that, I was setting up a goal that one of the things I learned some peer to peers, I got to do peer to peers. Okay. So that was a benefit of, of my situation. And I had uh-huh. met a, a young lady who was an army, uh, an air force pilot and lost oh. her leg tragically. Do you know, Christy? Yeah, I know her. Yeah, she's awesome. She was my one of my first peer to peers. Like that was like the best person to give me because she was totally me. If I had been her age, like a total go getter. No is not a part of my vocabulary. And she's like, oh, you could totally do this. You're gonna rock this. No worries. And I was like, oh, thank God, you know. Um, But she she's the one that inspired me to kind of get running and 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 setting goals like. 
I noticed that she didn't go, well, someday I want to, she would be like, I'm going to be running at this date. I'm going to be doing yeah. this by this date. And, and then I met a couple other people that said the exact same thing. And that was a common thread. It was the attitude and mindset. And it was the goal setting that was strict goal setting, not oh yeah fluid. And yeah. so my, my first goal was to run in our Phoenix rock and roll marathon, not to do a marathon, but to, to challenge myself. So I 10 K but I decided to do it through St. Jude and be a, one of their heroes. And then uh-huh. that just opened up other doors that, and it was ironic because I, I had to fight for my, my leg um, insurance didn't want to help. <laughs> yep. And so I had to fight and um, I had already signed up for this and knew I needed a running blade. And I thought, well, they'll never pay for a running blade. And those are expensive. Yeah. And I signed up not knowing what would happen and just, prayed a lot that it was going to work out. And someone told me to talk to Aaron in wiggle your toes. Yeah. Home. And yeah. I told him my story. And that next week I had a running blade. That's like, so awesome. See, they're great. People. Like, yeah, it's so sick. That was, that was so, that was life-changing for me. And that yeah. door opening to the possibilities that this, this world could be more than just barely getting by. Right. For sure. Um, and it's funny, right? It is just, you're like, Oh, like I'm used to like doing everything with my one leg and now it's gone. And then you like realize that when you get a prosthetic, you need like different legs for different things. You're like, yes. Wow. And they're expensive. Wow. Like they are. And it, and it truly is, um, your leg. And I'm going to ask this really quick, the technical side of it, your leg that you use, is that, um, Mike's design? Yes. Yes. That's cool. I asked him about it. He and I talked a while ago, like a long time ago, when I started this whole world of new parts was possible yeah. that it was there. He, he was really just getting out with BioDap uh-huh. and really getting the word out at the very beginning, a couple of years ago. And yeah. uh, I was looking for a surf leg. He goes, yeah, yeah. Oh, you could yeah. do it in the ocean, but, or in the lakes, but not salt water. I'm like, you gotta yeah. be kidding me. You know? So it, it, it is, it's like, I mean, I have a beach leg. I have a surf leg. I have a running blade. I have a do it all multi-purpose leg. Yeah. And And backups. Sometimes you need a backup leg too. You're like, totally. Like what if my breaks? And then you're like, what am I going to do if my walking leg breaks and I can't walk? And you're like, what do I do? So you got to have a backup, you know? Funny, funny, but tragic story. We went to Kauai that first year and I was going to try surfing. Uh-huh. And I, I got there unpacked and I didn't have my charger. No, no. <laughs> so that's how that is- I met the people on Oahu, um, Eric Walton, yeah. uh, North shore. Yeah. And uh-huh. he reached out to Autobach and got it overnighted out to the islands. That is amazing. And I was like, cause that's how I actually ta- started talking to Mike too. And Mike's like, yeah, I'm baloney. I don't need a charger. I'm like, ah, uh- he goes, but talk to Eric. So, you know, it was like meeting Chris, coach Chris on social yeah. media, who told me to call Mike, who told me to call Eric. And the next thing I know I'm in this world, this, this Illinois girl gone desert rat is now part of yeah. Hawaiian Island world. But yeah, yeah, that's tragic when you don't have your charger, because I tell people it's like losing power steering in your car. If yeah. you got, is your leg ever died on you? Because. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it either locked. <laughs> up or like it just like goes super loose it depends on which leg it is yeah it's like you got one or the other and either one's not good so (laughs) it isn't I went total peg leg I yeah it 
So luckily I had a couple other legs that I could actually uh, hydraulic, which is frightening to use at first when you're used to an electronic one, but yeah, it served its purpose till I got my charger, but that's, that's my fun story. Now, two more questions as we wrap yeah. this up. One, if, if someone were to ask you, I'm a proponent to figuring out why people tick the way they do. And okay. now at this point in your life where you've been through so many challenges with, um, you know, being a young dad, having the cancer amputation, and then this recent surgery, what would you say your why is in life? What do you work uh, so hard for? What, what is it that's most important? Honestly, I think it's the self wanting to be like, I, I genuinely want to be the best me I can be. I am curious to find out how awesome I can be um, I, in sport, outside of sport, as a person, like I genuinely just want to be the best Noah I can be. And I want to discover what's out there in the world. I want to see all the different things that I can and learn from. Um, you know, I want to share that with my daughter. Um, I want to be the best role model I can be for her. I want to take her on those same experiences. I want to be able to give her a better life than um, what I had growing up. And so all of those things are what is my why I would say. And snowboarding is the same thing. Like I want to, like, I don't know, maybe it's just cause like, I feel like I'm a perfectionist and I want to be the best I can at everything. And so like with snowboarding, it's, it's a no brainer. I'm like, I want to see how far I can be and the best I can be at this. Like, yeah, yeah, I totally get it. I don't know if that's yeah. an athlete mind or if that's just a personality trait, but I totally understand that, you know, it's yeah. uh, being a perfectionist. Um, that's probably the hardest part about being transparent too, when things aren't going your way or your first try at something like my first try at jump roping. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, wow. You, you, you're hitting the ground. Like you're a, an elephant right now. This, you should be a little bit lighter on your foot, you know, and, and yeah. it was real. And I actually put it out there in social media, which was the most embarrassing thing. But I found that people were like, thank you. Because I yeah. know when I first started looking towards kind of role models in the amputee world, everybody already had it all together. I'm like, but yeah. what, was, what did the starting point look like? What, what should my starting point look like? Yeah. And, and I, I wanted it to be real because, well, you know, social media is everybody's best, <laughs> right? Oh, sure. Our snapshot. Sure. But you're like, what's going on, you know, the, you yeah. know, the three weeks before that on that. So that's cool. I like that. And I have to say that it is so endearing to see your posts with your daughter um, you can see she adores you. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. You, it, it makes me smile every day when I see those posts come out and all the things you guys do together. So that's so cool. All right. Thank now, you. best advice you could give someone who is an amputee, a new amputee, someone struggling with being the amputee, what, what's something you would tell them? Um, I would definitely tell anybody, um, no matter if they have a disability or not is be willing to try. Right. And I think that really hits home for the people um, who may have a new injury or someone who is a new amputee or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but you have to be willing to try and think outside the box. Don't be afraid to fail at it because, you know, you have to fail to, to, to figure it out. And sometimes you don't, sometimes things just kind of click the first time around and that's awesome. But that almost never happens. So be willing to fail and be willing to, uh, to give it a shot because a lot of times you'll surprise yourself at what you can do. Yeah. I like that. And I agree. I think, um, without fail, 
without failure, you can't learn what needs to be done to succeed. Um, and it also doesn't build any grit. If you, everything's easy yeah. for you, it, what do you, what character are you actually building for the times when it will get tough and it will get tough. So if you're mm-hmm. riding it along really nice right now, just be ready. There'll be yeah. a bump there's and, and are you ready for it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And how you deal with that is what's going to set you up for the future bumps and stuff like that. So yeah, like same thing, right? Like I need it. I need a revision and it's like, cool, just do it. Like, I know I need to do it and move on and I'm doing it. So it's like yeah. just a part of the, like, it's, it's hard though, right? It's hard knowing there's a little bit oh, of yeah. setback and you're just biting at the bit to get out there to do stuff. It's, it's yeah. really not fun. I'm, I'm over the crutches by far. I'm over oh. crutches. I <laughs> mean, and, but I, I looked at like, I don't, I've just become more patient throughout the process. Right. Where I'm like, I understand everything has a time and like that time will come and I'll be there. But right now, what can I focus on to make sure it's a little easier when I get there? So I'm like, just doing that, you know, it's very good advice. I'm still working on that. <clears throat> so you're wiser, <laughs> younger and wiser. I like it. Okay. So wrapping this up, I have a game for you called this or that. I'm just yeah, going to name two things and you just, whatever kind of resonates with you. All right. I got a few lists here. You ready? Okay. Anything. Thick crust or thin crust? Oh, thin crust. Hmm. St. Louis style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, meats or veggies? Oh, uh, if it's barbecue, I'll do barbecue. I'll do barbecue. Yeah. Okay. Mountains or the ocean? That's a life question I have yet to discover. I love the, I think if, if I was not a snowboarder, I would live at the ocean hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but I, I got to go with mountains. I got to go with mountains. I thought I would push you there a little bit just to see. Yeah. Um, now I bring this up because I've seen posts of this. So I want to see if you do either one of these or the other one, fishing or hunting. Oh yeah. Um, f- fishing for sure. Fishing. I love fishing because uh, I love it for the sport of it. I just love being out there and fly fishing um, and I can catch and release versus hunting. You know, right. you, if you're hunting you are taking a life. And so um, definitely f- yeah, I've seen you take Skylar out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we go all the time. Well, you guys, it's beautiful there where you can actually. Oh, I'm yeah. envious on that. We don't have a lot of water here. There are a couple lakes, but we don't have a lot of water. Um, would you consider yourself an introvert or life of the party? Uh, I'd say a little bit of. Can I do both or? I'll do extrovert. I'm kind of an extrovert. Yeah. Okay. I figured you probably were, but I've been surprised by the last couple of people saying they were actually introverts. So yeah. Um, board games or video games? Uh, board games for sure. Do you have a favorite? Uh, actually, um, we just got a new one, uh, me and Skylar that was, I've never even played it before until we got it. Um, what's it called? It's really old. It was like made the 1950s. Um, and yeah. Mm. I can't remember it right now, but it's like a world. <laughs> like a, it's like you conquer the world one. You have like little armies and stuff. Is that risk? Yes. Risk. There we go. That's it. Yeah. So we got risk. So I was like, this is sweet. So we've been playing that. That's so cool. I love that. And that's one of those long games, right? That can keep going. You just leave it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so That's cool. That's very cool. All right. This one's a tough one. Skateboarding or snowboarding. If you had to pick uh, one forever and not be able to touch the other, what would you, one would you pick to do? Being an amputee, I would have to say snowboarding. 
Yeah. Based on the fact that I get a similar feeling as I do when I'm on a skateboard, but I can ride a lot better and I can do more things and I can, I can pretty much when I snowboard, I go to skateboard the mountain. And so that's, that's what I would do. If I had two legs, I would skateboard. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Are you a night owl or a morning person? Uh, lately night owl, but that's, I think that's with the surgery and stuff. I've been sleeping a little off, but, um, yeah, I, usually I like to go to bed early. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just getting there. Finally. All right. Hiking or biking. Do you bike? I do actually. And, um, I, so this is something I'll make it quick, real quick. So biking has been a struggle for me a lot in the past because of the shape of my leg. And so my sockets would never stay on. Oh. And so I could, but now I'm stoked because um, my legs finally the way it's supposed to be. So I'm definitely gonna be biking. So I, I can't wait. That's part of my recovery actually is I'm getting a new bike and um, I just got Skylar a new bike. So we're going to be going mountain biking and trail riding and just like cruising around. So that's cool. And really quick side note, how do you bike? Do you use, I, I finally found someone that told me about maglock pedals. Yeah. The, the mag ones, right? Love those. Yeah, I've, been, I've just been using a toe cage and like a rubber band over the back, but um, I do want to get some, for what I'm about to be doing, because I used to be a max too, and like I would hit huge jumps and trail parks. Yeah. So um, like once I get on a mountain bike, I know I'll be able to hit some big jumps and have fun. So I'm going to get the maglocks. Well, and my fear was, you know, when people say it's as easy as riding a bike, that is not true for an amputee. I have to say yeah. it is the most scary thing to get on one. And I told my husband, there's, I can't keep my leg on without a knee. Yeah. But I don't want to put a toe clip in because if something happens, I can't pull out without a knee. So right, you're just falling. So when I said that to someone, I don't know who it was in the community, they were just like, Maglock, Maglock. And that was one of my first birthday presents right after my amputation. It made me cry because I hadn't been on a bike in like six years. So yeah. love those. They, they yeah. work very well. Uh, we get out and we up here, I'm, we moved up to carefree Arizona. So we've got all this open space. So don't you, you do like mountain biking too, like enduro style, right? No, I, I, that scares the crap out of me. <laughs> I just, I just get out on the roads here. Yeah. I mean, and my husband got me an electric bike. I swear to God, it's the, the weight of a motorcycle. It is. They're heavy. Yeah. Huge. And I don't use the electric part. I, mm -hmm. I would rather work for it. I, I like it now. Cause I want the exercise. Yeah. Not just the la 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 la, you know, joyful <laughs> trip. I mean, every once in a while that's nice too, but I want to, I want to work for it. Right. Yeah. I for, for the years I spent laying in bed, recovering from surgeries, I missed the good pains from working out, right. Working the out. aching muscles and the building of the muscle and all that. And so anything I can do to work muscle, I'm all for. So, yeah. all right. And we off, off track there one more. And I don't know, I think you would know this, but Starbucks or Dutch bros. Do you know Dutch? Oh, bros? Uh, well, I'd have to say Dutch bros. Um, yeah. Starbucks is consistent. So like, it's nice to have consistency. Like if you're like somewhere in another country and like, True. you know, whatever, you know, it's consistency. Right. But Dutch bros, honestly, like the whole vibe, you know, how it is you go to oh, Dutch bros. Totally. It's like, like what, okay, what's your drink to go there? What is your, uh, I'm a big fan of cold brew. Actually, I'm drinking coffee right now that I made right now. Whoop, small soldiers, nice. what's up? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I use like a cold brew or I'll do like a, um, like a caramel latte with like an extra shot. And yeah. Nice. Good. Yeah, I'm all about how many extra shots can you put in that without it being bad? <laughs> yeah. Getting the jitters, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. 
Oh, Noah, this has been phenomenal. And I hate to say that we have to go. I know you've got something going on. Skylar's got something going on at school. Yeah, exactly. She's got a musical going on. So we get to go check that out. Well, I'm hoping you'll post something because we can't wait to see it. And um, you know what? I want to have you back on again. I want to see where your journey leads. Whenever you want to speak, you are always welcome on the show. It is awesome to have gotten to know you. Absolutely. Will do. Um, would love to. And uh, I'll let you know, too, if I get over to Arizona, like uh, I got some friends there. I was talking about maybe planning a trip. So we'll find out. I would love for you to meet my family. My boys would love to meet you. Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. All right. Well, you thank you. Good luck with your recovery. Good luck with the future and Italy coming up. It'll be here before, you know, you blink and it's time flies. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Wow. What an interview. I am so honored to have had Noah Elliott on today. He has such a bright future. And you know what? It all boils down to that attitude. He has started off with such a tough life. And it seemed like chips were falling against him every which way. But that did not dampen his spirit, his mindset, his attitude. And, you know, you getting out there, helping others, doing what you love, figuring out what you can do, what you can't do, just by trial and error. You know, we don't know what we can accomplish in life unless we really give it our best. And to say, well, I'm an amputee, so I can't do that, or I shouldn't do that, or that's going to be hard, that, that's, that's not going to get you to a place where you will realize your potential. And I really hope you are as inspired by his story and the stories from the past few weeks because I know I have been and I cannot wait to get out and try new things and find out what I am capable of. So this is the time we say ready to unleash the warrior within you. Let's do it, folks. Get out there. Try something new. Face a fear. Face your fears. And have a mindset of, I can do anything. I always tell my husband when we hit a hiking trail that is really steep one way or another, up or down, which will end up being both ways eventually, right? Coming back. And, and you know, there's times where I could just turn around. But all I do is instead of looking at the mountain in front of me, I look at the step. If I can take it step by step, then I can do anything. And that is my mindset when I get on a hiking trail and I transfer that exact same metaphor to the things that I have to try in my life that I want to try in my life. No, I won't look beautiful doing any of the things I'm trying for the first time, but the potential of being able to accomplish those things far outweighs the fear. And if I can just take it one step at a time, then I know I can accomplish whatever I set my mind to so can you. So get out there, conquer the world, attack your fears, have a positive mindset. Come back and revisit these few interviews of these Paralympians the last three weeks that I've had and just embrace your life for where it is right now. No use in in complaining about what has happened. You can't go back. You can't change the past, but you sure as heck can alter your future. Your mindset, your attitude, and your possibility that that you can do anything is what will guide you 
in the next few days, months, and years. So get out there, live your best life, enjoy what you have, what's in front of you right now on this day. And as always, be healthy, be happy, be you.